The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 207. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, where psychology and business sit down to chat. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, licensed psychologist, speaker, executive coach, and consultant to entrepreneurs, leadership, and their companies. I believe psychology is the key to adapting and thriving both personally and in business. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for people searching for deeper conversation, deeper insight, and deeper research on psychology and business, where weekly conversations and content spark rare and profound insight, inspiring new awareness, new analysis, and new action. It is my mission to unlock the role of psychology inside every human touchpoint in business, all aimed at simplifying and harnessing psychology principles, skills, and strategies you can learn and apply so you and your business continue to grow and thrive. Grab a proverbial seat and tune in for insightful interviews, scientific research, psychology-based frameworks and reflections, and answers to thought-provoking questions so you can learn and leverage psychology for yourself and your business. Our Insight Sunday conversation is so expansive and deep that you're getting not one, not two, but three doses of insight. In part one, Jared shared his journey from being an awkward student to Hollywood movie producer, to understanding and sharing the six elements of counsel, which led to founding the Center for Counsel. In part two, we talked about belonging, imposter syndrome, stress, fear, and the biology and psychology of emotions and their impact in the workplace. Jared and I also discussed how creating a space of curiosity, listening, and belonging allows people to flourish and become highly productive high performers. Today, in part three, we wrap up with our couch round, where Jared shares his thoughts on the role of psychology in struggling and success, whether habits or adaptability is more important, and much, much more. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business... If you have passions, goals, and dreams, and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, if you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. I wanted to jump into a couch round because we're going to need to wrap up. 
So I wanted to start by asking, what gets in the way of success more often? Our psychology or external factors? You know, external factors are fascinating and will always be curious, impossible, dangerous, beautiful. You know, we will confront so many different things that are beyond our ability to even imagine. And our capacity to meet the moment in a good way, our capacity to be really malleable and to be able to ground ourselves such that we don't, you know, so to speak, lose our cool, so that we're able to stay present and be able to work with curveballs that were thrown is just a critical skill. I think this last experience of being in a worldwide pandemic has showed us that everything changed. And those of us who were able to meet the moment and pivot, you know, not, not that there is anything like a silver lining, but certainly there are adaptations that have been really extraordinary. I never imagined that we would be able to adapt the way we did. And had it not been for the catastrophe of a pandemic, I would never have seen the possibility. So I think that as far as confronting things that look like they're problematic, it is always an opportunity for us to grow mm. and for us to develop more adaptation and more adaptive skills that really may open up doorways to all kinds of new experiences. Similarly, I think when we're met with what we expect to be there, we sometimes, you know, may be welcoming in a, a, a Trojan horse. We may mm. uh, realize that the thing we thought was successful that we had expected turns out to be more complicated. And if we're not also meeting that moment carefully, uh, that can be both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, it is that capacity to be adaptive that I mm -hmm. think is critical for us in all kinds of circumstances, those that may seem at first to be problematic and those that seem to be positive. Yeah, thank you. And that perfectly dovetails into my second question. In your experience, are habits or is adaptability more important to business and organizational success, whether nonprofit or for-profit? I think that... Um, Cultivating flexibility and responsiveness is always critical. Mm -hmm. I think that there will be some things that we create shortcuts around. There are, as you say, heuristics that you know uh, make things easy. But the mm -hmm. dangers of autopilot are intense. You know, mm -hmm. when we walk into a situation, oh, I, I got this. I know this. This is what I, you know, I, I've confronted this before. We miss so much. Mm -hmm. There is critical data in the listening. And when we try to bypass that habitually responding to something we haven't really taken the time to really immerse ourselves in and to really listen to, we run the risk of creating, you know, a response that can not only be ineffective, but can be dangerous. And mm -hmm. you know, so we work with law enforcement enough to know that you know, when a police officer walks onto a scene and has that attitude, I know this, I got this one, I know it, and actually mm -hmm. doesn't take in all of the information coming from situational awareness that is a critical piece of walking into a scene, something can happen that is, you know, going to put everybody at risk. Mm -hmm. It is so critical to have these sort of skillful and wise use of training our attention such that it is balanced and such that it is, mm. you know, grounded for us and we can take in the ever-changing world in which we live. Mm. And it is a, a great danger to revert to the habitual. I would say one more thing if I have time. Yeah. I hope I do because I, you know, I know that you talk about this, uh, you had an acronym, I think ADAPT was your acronym. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was fortunate enough to work with an extraordinary teacher called Bernie Glassman. Bernie was uh, a renowned Zen master. He was credited with bringing, you know, Zen Buddhism to the West in a lot of ways. And I got to spend a lot of time in what he uh, described as bearing witness activities throughout the world, going mm -hmm. to 
Auschwitz, going to Rwanda, going to Bosnia, in doing this, going to these places of enormous suffering, Mm -hmm. of genocide, of Holocaust, to be actually present in a situation which feels very black and white when you walk into it. A horrible thing happened. There were good guys and bad guys. To understand and to really appreciate the resilience of the human spirit, what resilience really means, you need to put yourself in that situation without a lot of assumption of what that situation is. Mm. And so Bernie Glassman had a model, I, I might call it, of three tenets of how it is to approach every situation in which compassion is required. The first tenet is not knowing. Can we really set aside everything we think we know so that we can truly attend to the situation? Everything that we believe about the situation in a moment is set aside so we can really take in clearly through a clear lens everything that's there. You know, the second tenet is bearing witness. And and when he talked about bearing witness, you know, he was referring to something beyond just normal listening. When you talk about, you know, data and analyzing data and picking up those things that are around, you know, there are things that are said, but there's, you know, body language and there's feeling tone and there's Mm. things that are left unsaid and there's, you know, my curling toes and, you know, the, the feel of the environment. There's so much to take in. If you can enter with not knowing and you can bear witness, Bernie said the third tenet is the compassionate action that arises from those first two things. Mm. So, you know, if it was, I guess, analysis, planning, and tinkering, I guess, for you, right, is that we're we're responding to this moment and iterating in this moment in a way that is the expression of our real presence with what Mm. it is we found. This capacity to really be courageous enough to set aside our assumptions to be in not knowing, to bear witness, leads us to constructive and productive actions. And this is really where compassion emerges in his construction, and it's very similar to a a construct that I use in my work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much similarity. And I think when you see from multiple angles something that converges, you see a convergence, I think it means that we're getting towards something that holds a lot of truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I believe so. And I think your ADAPT acronym is similar in many ways. There's a lot that is, you know, that, that I uh, have recognized and in, in, in ways that you speak that I think are important for folks to pay attention to because mm-hmm. there's some skillfulness around the way in which we approach leadership, which we approach team building that really uh, require a kind of a courage that we're not used to building, mm-hmm. a kind of a skill set that I think you need to kind of seek out and understand the value of. I don't think it's enough, for example, to bring in a, you know, a DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion mm-hmm. training, have a sort of check the box experience and an edict from the C-suite and expect that folks are really going to change. I think you really need to mm-hmm. invite this exploration that goes deep. And I think our work with businesses in particular, you know, ask folks to take a different path towards mm-hmm. improving organizational culture by really trying on a different approach that that requires a different way of uh, thinking and behaving. The very idea, as you said it, of checking the box means that we already put it into a box. And that is what we've been talking about is very antithetical to the process that needs to unfold in order for change to occur, to view things, to open up that aperture and be able to then view things and experience them and respond and be differently and for others to experience us differently. Mm-hmm. Again, I wish we had more time. We're going to need to you know, continue on. Next question is, what type of content have you been consuming lately? And how do you like to consume content, whether that's for you know, business, pleasure, 
I'm, I think like you, kind of a data geek, and I, I love kind of, you know, reading a lot of work that to me in this sort of anthropological kind of studies that I've done is indigenous kind of, it's wisdom that our, you know, our, our ancestors knew. But as mm. science continues to confirm, I'm loving reading, you know, the work of Richie Davidson, the work of, you know, even um, someone like Michael Pollan, who's found ways to kind of help us understand some things that folks have known for an awful long time. There's a book called Compassionomics that I think is also this real clear expression of the science behind what it means to have a compassion deficit. Mm-hmm. That, you know, literally, you know, physicians have reduced the time they take to actually listen to patients mm-hmm. on average down to 11 seconds. It used to be 17 seconds a few years back. And, you know, studies have shown that a patient, in order to feel cared for, which is critical to healing and recovery, needs 29 seconds of mm-hmm. being listened to. You know, that that experience of a respected other paying attention to your story generally speaking, takes about 29 seconds. And, you know, our culture is moving in such a way that that folks have the capacity for 11 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that are so interesting. And it, it really points to the fact that there are ways to train. There are ways to really intervene in order to understand how we can sort of get in there and tweak some things about the way industry and the way, you know, sort of our fast-paced society is moving us that can really recover some of this critically missing compassion that exists, not just in healthcare, but of course, in all kinds of industries. It's so important to understand the science behind this. So I find it really fascinating to, to th- throw myself into you know these books when I'm driving and I drive a lot. It's audiobooks. I think at the end of the day, however, there's you know, having had a, a past in the world of entertainment, there's some wonderful TV to unwind to. I, I love, you know, I've noticed in the last couple of years, the phenomenon around this show, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is a show about kindness. You know, there are other mm-hmm. shows. I, I love sitting on the couch with my wife and watching folks find a way to be kind with one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, gritty urban thrillers, all that is great, but there's something about consuming content that reminds us of our better selves, our higher angels as humans. And so I tend to to like to at least have a, a good healthy dose of sweet and affirming entertainment mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, thank you. Next, what is or are your non-negotiables in life, whether that's routines, values, time that you protect, practices? When we work with groups, I often sort of talk about this, like, you know, what are the things that you need? And I think, you know, we talk about, well, you know, you need to eat, you need to drink water, you need sleep, you need relationships, you know, but your body knows you can go for, you know, a week, maybe two weeks fasting, not having food. Same with, you know, sleep, you can be without sleep and not die for a week or so, maybe three days for water, two or three days. If you don't have oxygen, if you don't breathe, you got about four minutes, four to five minutes before things start dying. Your body knows that the breath is critical. It is the number one priority and your body recognizes the importance of breath and the importance of oxygen. And similarly, or I guess the flip side of that is, I think the the quickest way to interrupt this sort of dysregulation is often to focus on the breath. Mm. For me, you know, when I am able to give myself the incredible gift of three beautiful, full, abundant breaths, you know, sometimes that can look like a practice of, you know, sitting for 20 minutes or half an hour and just sitting and breathing in a meditation practice. Sometimes it can just be in the middle of the day, just Mm. stopping to take a few really good breaths. I think 
we value this extraordinary thing that we, again, do on autopilot all the time, mm -hmm. but often we don't give ourselves the benefit of how incredibly nourishing a good breath can be. Mm -hmm. And so I often, that's my go-to when I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed and dysregulated. I know that I can give myself the gift of that, you know, that good breath or two, and I can restore something that uh, is always available to me. And even, you know, some of our friends who are serving life sentences in prison who have, you know, found through just simply the ability to sit and give themselves that breath, there's an enormous amount of potential in that moment of nourishment. It's kind of unlimited. So I would say the breath, that's where I, mm -hmm. that's non-negotiable for me, making sure it's mm -hmm. a, a couple and preferably a regular practice of 20 or 30 minutes every morning. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And even as you were saying it, I found myself returning to and reminding myself of that, which is a practice that I also work hard to ensure is part of my life on a daily basis. Mm. All of that being said, I wanted to ask where and how can people find and connect with you and or Center for Counsel and what kind of outreach is welcome? And if any, what kind of outreach may be ignored or not welcome? <laughs> I love this conversation. Again, I'm, I'm so excited by being able to meet you. I really appreciate your holding this discourse and, and making it available to folks. And these conversations are so critical. I think we find allies and we find ways of uh, really improving each other's work in the world when we find allies and mm. speak the same language. And with all the uh, congruence, I think mm. it's really important. So I, I welcome that connection. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm very glad to have a book out that folks can find on Amazon to sort of read where we're coming from, you know, where compassion begins. And I think our website, which is centerforcouncil.org, and again, it's C-O-U-N-C-I-L, not S-E-L. But the website has on it all kinds of information about the way in which this work has really been able to be adapted. You know, what started uh, for me in, you know, a school in Los Angeles has really been transformative in the lives of so many, not just in business, but in healthcare and correctional system and law enforcement, all kinds of places. It is really bringing something into the world that is powerful. And I think the website is a great way to learn more about it, to hear, you know, to hear a bunch of LAPD officers talking about how their lives have changed doing this work. It's kind of striking. And, to, you know, we have a wonderful video on that and folks who, you know, who were serving life sentences, who bought their first house and got their first real estate license and are now starting businesses and, mm -hmm. you know, the potential for transformation within individuals and in groups is enormous. And I think mm -hmm. the telling of the story is critically important. Hopefully we do that a good job of that on the website. You know, we maintain social media for quick check-ins. And of course, folks can find us on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. But I think our website uh, is the best way. And I'm mm -hmm. always interested in folks who are engaged and find some area or touch point that they want to discuss further, because maybe this is something they want to you know, learn about supporting. It could be something that aligns with their values in the world mm -hmm. about how it is we can create a more compassionate culture for mm -hmm. the next generation uh, and for us to work within. But also, you know, it may be that it's something that um, would serve an organization that's going through a difficult time. Mm -hmm. We have a number of clients now that are struggling through really dysfunctional, dispositive organizational culture. And I think working with these techniques and taking a program of counsel and embedding it uh, inside can really work wonders. So I'd be really interested to hear folks who find that this might be something that aligns with a challenge that they're facing or an interest of theirs. So email. Yeah, yeah great. Thank you so much. And again, the links are going to be in the show notes. So if you'd like to 
look into and see more and read more and hear more of the story from Center for Counsel, you'll have a button right at your fingertips. You can just push that button and be right there. And I want to say thank you so, so much, Jared, for joining, sharing your thoughts, your wisdom, your approach when it comes to you know, heart, I don't even want to just say heart-centered leadership, but heart-led compassion and how at the core that compassion can change everything from individuals to organizations, to how we experience ourselves, to how we engage with others, to how we build and create community and to how that community can be a more deeply and powerfully, I was going to say empowered, more deeply empowered to serve not only the organization, but everybody inside of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I also wanted to thank all of you who joined us and listened. You know, I want to say, Jared, again, that this has been just an incredible conversation. And I imagine, and I'm hoping that we'll continue having this conversation uh, even off the air. You know, I'm really looking forward to continuing to even just listen back to the conversation we had and dig in and gain more insight from it. And just by way of recap for some of the things that you shared today, you talked a little bit about how you grew up in the 70s and 80s in New York and how you experienced a common narrative along with extraordinary diversity and how that kind of planted a seed for you. And that along the way, as you kind of learned about and engaged in media and writing and then getting into movies and your education and moving to Hollywood, you found that inauthenticity really didn't sit well with you. It was a point that felt like a big point of disconnection to borrow from the Dagura tribe of what you were born and brought into this world to do and uh, and who you are and how you then shifted as you noticed in being involved with the school that your daughter was at in fourth grade, how much having counsel and having a compassionate approach, being able to listen and be heard and to share that space really transformed your daughter's experience. And then uh, you took that ripple and grew it into, you know, what I can describe best as a tsunami that has continued to impact or create more ripples, hopefully not overwhelm, but rather to spread that energy and grow that energy and create that change. And that's been across so many different sectors, from private to public, from nonprofit to for-profit. We talked and you shared about counsel. What is counsel? You kind of shared what I didn't really get to recap as, but I thought are really foundational principles of that. Having a circle, a center, the center being a purpose, a mission, a shared goal, a vision, a topic or a concept. And then everybody around it, like the Arthurian legend of the round table, everyone has an equal voice. It is not an autocracy. It is not a patriarchy. It is none of the ocracies. It is a space where everybody gets to have their individual voice heard and experienced. It's not even a democracy where everyone has a vote or a voice, but the voice is in our system still diluted and titrated, and, but rather it's really intensely viewed and seen. And you talked about how important it is to have a beginning and a closing, that whatever is taken away is not a burden for those there, but it is an agreement and an enhancer. The importance of having intention and presence. And there's just like four or five kind of principles for counsel and how important it is to set aside the judgment and labels, how on the one hand, that's a very simple and yet critical piece of the practice while simultaneously is one of the most challenging things to do. And we talked on so many levels about how many of those 
elements that when we don't have it, what the consequences are and how you have in many of these different spaces, as you've brought it into those spaces, seen and experienced the kind of transformation that can happen. We've talked about some of the consequences that happen as that gets kind of pulled away or we move away from that or having that and so much more. So I wanted to say thank you so, so much for bringing your wisdom, your experience, I would say even, and and I would say your legacy into this space and sharing it and continuing to create and build that. And I hope that you out there have gained as much from the conversation as I have and are as excited as I am to share it. Nisha, thank you so very much. Thank you so much. It's been a rich and, and wonderful conversation. I also look forward to continuing it with you. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 